Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Box. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside good friend of the podcast. Uh, what, what's your official? T- I'm a bad podcast host, Mitchell. It's Mitchell Maurer. Let me just say that. What are you, you like the editor, lead brew hoop? What's the official title? I think the official title that we settled on was co-managing editor uh, mm-hmm. between myself and Adam Paris. We mm-hmm. kind of split the uh, the duties. Uh, if there's any fans of the office, it's basically the same as when Michael and Jim splits the regional manager job that's essentially what we have going on is this um a bad time to admit that i haven't really seen the office i mean i've seen bits and pieces of it but not uh not not all of it i think i think it's you're far enough removed from when it was really popular that it's not Mm. that big of a deal um like it was good it doesn't hold up as much as you might think um I, i remember i went through and watched some of the uh the earlier seasons a couple of months ago back when quarantine was still new and uh it's fine it's fine if you don't watch it you're maybe not missing out on all that much shout out to our friend uh paulina by the way uh who lives over in la uh, is well and truly on her way to being a very famous uh, actor and she actually called me out on twitter a couple of weeks ago for not watching the office yet so yes i have not got back to it maybe i will when sports, I mean, look, basketball, we might have a, a period of time here, here where there's no basketball, so maybe I'll have time to do that. I thought today we could start, because we did mention the assistant coaching positions within the Bucks yesterday we on uh, with Justin on the podcast, and uh, overnight, or during the day, I guess, over in the US, Billy Donovan has been hired as the coach of the Chicago Bulls, which means that our guy, Darvin Ham, has missed out on the job. I thought this was kind of a surprising hire for the Bulls regardless, but uh, kind of disappointing for Darvin Ham. I mean, I have no doubt that he is going to get an opportunity sooner rather than later. This did look like the prime position for him to jump in and get a job uh, this offseason, though, which, uh, which is a shame for him because I know he was certainly in the mix last year. He was, he was on the podcast. He was very, very happy for the Taylor Jenkins mm-hmm. job in Memphis, but... Um, you know, he, it's got to be a little bit frustrating. He's, he knows he's close. He knows he's in the mix and getting in these meetings and just not quite getting uh, getting the nod. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, I know Darvin Ham has a really uh, high uh, reputation across the league and in other in basketball circles. Um, Billy Donovan as a hire isn't it's a, it was a surprise, but it's not the worst hire for that group that they have in Chicago. They've got some. They've got some young pieces. They've got, you know, some definitely a lot of development to do. Um, it's it's a far sight better than Jim Boylan, but I think you or I would be an improvement on uh, on the Jim Boylan regime. Well, this is the this is the funny thing about this selection, okay, or this hire. For me, when I woke up and I saw the notification, I was like, huh, it's kind of boring. It's not a very it's not a very exciting hire, Billy Donovan. You know, I mean, he was in Oklahoma City. He's coached superstars since he's been there, essentially, and, and you know, they're always in the playoffs. This year, a little bit different. He was able to manage a bunch of different personalities, but he still had Chris Paul. 
So this will be the interesting mm. thing for me when he goes to Chicago. His best player in the team is Zach Levine. I mean, you know, is that... I, I guess. Mean, I, exactly, I guess. Um, so that's why it was an interesting hire for me. I, again, it kind of reminded me of the Bucks hiring Mike Budenholzer in that it's... I think it's it's definitely a floor raiser. And remember, the Bucks came from Jason Kidd, so that wasn't going to be hard to do. You were going to be able to raise that floor. Like, I mean, come on, no offense. I mean, they're in a bad situation. They bring in Bud. But I, I thought, as, as Frank and I sort of discussed, potentially um, that the ceiling is not as high as, as it could possibly be uh, if you get someone else in there. So I think that's where the Bulls are at. But also, I do think it is a good point you make. I mean, when you're going from Jim Boyle and, just to have any type of stability and hopefully camaraderie in the locker room uh, and I guess feeling of confidence from the locker room through to the front office with who's coaching your team. Uh, perhaps that is what they're searching for here and replacing Jim Boylan. And if that's the case, then I can certainly understand why you would go with someone like Billy Donovan, who, uh, to be clear, uh, from more reports, I mean, good coach, very good coach. Sure. Maybe it's a case where Chicago didn't want to skip too many steps going from a terrible coach to a really good one in too short. Like even, <laughs> even the Bucks had yeah. uh, Jason Kidd to uh, Prunty the and then Mike Boonholzer. So, uh, so we still followed a similar path. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe Ham would have made them too good too fast and gotten them to a disappointing finish in the playoffs. Who's to say? The most interesting thing I, th- I think about the Bulls before we move on, because I've looked at Chicago the last couple of years, and uh, again, it's it's remarkable as uh, people that take an interest in the Bucks and Bucks fans and uh, love Milwaukee sports or Wisconsin sports to see uh, the beatdown that the Bucks have been able to hand the Bulls over the last few years. It's been incredibly fun, and especially mm-hmm. you know being able to go to those games at at Fiserv Forum and see that oh, the Bulls fans aren't here. And if they are here, they're very quiet because their team's getting smashed. And then you go to <laughs> the United Center and there's more Bucks fans there than Bulls fans. And we um, you know, had the pleasure of talking to some Bucks fans that uh, made the trip. Either they, were, they lived in Illinois or, or uh, they made the trip down. And they said, yeah, well, I mean, why wouldn't we go to these games? The tickets are cheaper to go to a game at the United Center than they are at Fiserv Forum, which in itself is just unbelievable <laughs> to hear. And it's awesome. And I always love that fact that you could go to United Center and there'd be more, well, not more Bucks fans, but certainly, uh, you know, Bucks chants and that sort of stuff uh, during those games. It's been really fun. But I've also looked at the Bulls as, okay, is there any talent in here? And maybe this time has now gone. And this is the disappointing thing about Jim Boyle and leaving the Bulls. I've always thought that they're a team that you could poach players from because they, they just so much instability in the front office. Clearly no one wanted to be there and play under Boyle in any way. So a guy like Lowry Markinen, for instance, who is approaching restricted free agency, this is why perhaps if you're the Bulls, you're like, okay, let's just get a veteran coach in here that's going to that's gonna just iron things out here and get everything uh, in order. Because a, a guy like Markinen, I still think incredible talent, clearly did not get along with uh, Jim Boyle and there was a few blow-ups they uh, seemed to have some stuff that got out in the media, no doubt about that. So they're probably thinking, well, we need to, get, we need to figure out what we got here before we pay this guy uh, because I think he is a real talent as well. So perhaps from a Bucks perspective, a bit of a shame that the Bulls seem to have made a relatively solid hire. Yeah, well, you can't, uh, you can't expect them to uh, remain in the cellar forever necessarily. And I think it's really important for b- the Bulls to uh, salvage whatever they can from Markkinen because I think he, as a player, probably is their best chance at having something that resembles a top-end talent. Like, not, not necessarily an all-NBA-level talent, maybe an all-star 
at some point if things, you know, break right for him over the next three to four years. Uh, and Donovan maybe is the right coach to do that. Uh, and they've got a bunch of other younger pieces that have some interesting talent. I know that uh, Chris Dunn uh, really came mm-hmm. on strong from the guard position. And uh, Kobe White, I think, is another interesting young player they have. Uh, Tomas Sandoransky. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I know has got some, uh, some interesting skills. So they, they have, they're, they're, they're a lump of clay. And Billy Donovan's going to get a chance to mold them into something. And we'll see what they do. All right, it's time to talk about Built Bar now. B-U-I-L-T, B-A-R, Built Bar, for those that are wondering. You can go to BuiltBar.com and check out the best pro- tasting protein bar ever. It's new and improved. They have six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, among others. And, of course, they have the 12 originals still, so 18 total flavors. You really, I mean, you just keep cycling through them. You will have... Uh, enough built bars to get you through the rest of the year without doubt. Multiple orders, don't forget. So you've got to keep going back and taking advantage of the order that we have. Built bars are healthy, so that's the best thing. Good for you, good for the kids, good for the rest of the family, whoever wants to eat them, uh, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for those on the keto diet. And that deal that I was talking about, use the promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com and you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. $10 off at BuiltBar.com. As far as the Bucks go, though, we've spent a few podcasts here talking about things that the Bucks could possibly do with their roster. I know you uh, dropped a story today, which, by the way, everyone should go and check out. It's, it's a fascinating read. There's plenty of numbers there. There's plenty of different names that are mentioned in regards to what the Bucs could do, particularly at the guard spot. You've named this story, Changing of the Guard, the Bucs backcourt and playoff problems. I'm going to throw it to you now. Um, We've discussed clearly, and and I think this is, you know, you can dive into the numbers as you have, and you can probably rip off a few of those numbers now or some thoughts or theories that you have uh, that have come from this story. But I think certainly the eye test tells us from the last two postseasons, the Bucs, the guard play in particular from the Bucs and the lack of, uh, creativity, the lack of shot creation, I think has come back to bite them. And I think this is basically what you looked into investigating. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's a really decent uh, high-level summary of what I was trying to do. Um, I, I wrote something a couple of weeks ago that it was right after the Bucks got eliminated in five games to Miami. And what's interesting about the, the path that Milwaukee faces now is that so many of their issues are interconnected between the defense, the offense, the coaching, the, the roster, the, the assets that the front office has to build with. Like, there's so many things that are intertwined that it makes figuring out what the path ahead in order to get over the hump, especially in the postseason, it makes it really difficult to project what that might look like. There is no obvious answer to what the Bucks need to do in order to, uh, you know, not – drop games in the playoffs when they're faced with a wall and all of a sudden everything seizes up like if like a wrench got thrown into the gears. And so one of the things I wanted to look at first were the guards, the players that Milwaukee has in the backcourt. And I specifically wanted to look at how they performed on the offensive side of the ball because a lot of what has kind of ruled over what the front office has chosen to do with adding guards to this team over the past couple of years has been a priority on defense first and then shooting second. 
And those are like the two main skills that the Bucks have added. But as a result of that, they, they don't have other skills that other guards across the league have, particularly as playmakers, as distributors, as pick and roll operators. And so what I did, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that went into this, and it's all available in the article. I even linked to the Google Sheet that has a couple of dashboards that I slapped together. But I essentially wanted to try to build the ideal offensive guard for this Milwaukee team from scratch. And I wanted to see how the current stable in the backcourt kind of matched up to what I put together. And so I considered numbers like assist to turnover ratio, effective field goal percentage, assist percentage, um, the frequency of plays where there the player is the ball handler in the pick and roll, uh, ball handler in the pick and roll, points per possession, uh, some stuff like that. Because I really think that, and this kind of goes all the way back to, what, is it two or three years ago when the Bucks were rumored to be involved in the uh, deal for Kyrie Irving? And then when Kemba Walker was still in Charlotte and there were a lot of Bucks fans that were like, hey, you know, Kemba Walker, he does a lot of things that would really do well in Milwaukee. And the, uh, and, you know, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry are unserious, but they're still mentioned by Bucks fans, you know, across the, uh, across the fandom. And these, the things that these guards have in common is that they have very specific skills, particularly as ball handlers and as dynamic shooters on the offensive end, they have skills that the Bucks guards don't. And so I took stock of the, uh, the entire league, essentially, and the performance from all the players are listed as guards on NBA.com in both the regular season and the playoffs and kind of put together um, a ranking system based on eight different metrics that I thought did a good job of kind of painting the picture of what that player could look like if you were to kind of build them from scratch. And the results were pretty surprising and pretty disappointing. Um, to, to sum it up very briefly, in the regular season, uh, both Eric Bledsoe and George Hill actually graded out pretty well. They, they weren't at the top of the league by any stretch, but they were at least above average. They were well above the median in, in basically every major category. But then the playoffs, when guard play overall took a pretty big hit, partially because the level of competition is higher, the energy level on defense is higher and the competence on defense is higher. And so everybody has a harder time scoring. That's when they say the, the game slows down in the playoffs. That's what they mean is that, you know, defense is really clamped down. It's harder to score. It's harder to generate points. Um, and so guard play overall declined in the playoffs, but the bucks guards fell off a cliff in the playoffs. And, you know, a lot of the numbers that I have point to exactly where they fell off a cliff. Yeah, I, I, so there was two. There was two big fears for I, I think Bucks fans heading into the postseason, particularly in relation to the guard play that you speak about, because I, I thought it was particularly interesting uh, that you referenced the numbers that they had during the regular season. Because, and, and again, this all comes back to the theory that uh, we all wanted to die, and we all wanted to say this is not the case. But the Bucks have been a regular season, the last, regular season team, the last two years. Um, while that may seem a little bit harsh, and uh, as I pointed to yesterday, you may be watching a Miami Heat team that's about to make the NBA Finals. So how much can you call a, a team a regular season team if they're losing to the NBA champions? I'm not sure. I mean, that's a, that's a whole another conversation to have. 
But part of the reason for the concern that you should have had, and we all had, and we all spoke about it. I remember we were talking about the lack of shooting, potentially the lack of really elite shooting. There was two concerns that we had. The guys that were going to have to play the point guard position for the Bucks, Eric Bledsoe, we know the history he has in the postseason. And then the other one that was kind of just in the, in the back of all our minds uh, throughout the season was George Hill and his three-point shooting in, in the regular season. Now, it ended up dropping back down to 46 when the season ended, it was basically at 50%. And look, I mean, we're all pretty realistic. We've watched George Hill play basketball for a long time. Now, he's a very good shooter, but there's a big difference between 50% and his career, 38% where he's been at. And obviously, if you take out this year, it's even lower. So I think that this was always going to be the concern for the Bucs. Uh, George Hill, some of the shots he was making, some of the shots he was taking were just absolutely absurd. And I think that, again... At the start of the season, when, yes, we spoke about Brogdon, but, yes, just in general, we looked at the guys that the Bucks brought in. I think there was always going to be a concern that there wasn't enough ball handling or there was some deficiencies at the guard positions. And I think that this was amplified by perhaps a disappointing season for Sterling Brown, who we looked at as a potential uh, secondary uh, tertiary option as a playmaker, as a ball handler. We were hoping to get a step from him that never really came as well. So there was a number of factors that probably... Uh, went into this but when you're looking at guys and you've got a bunch of names that are here some of these we've already spoke about on the pod but more than happy to run over these again I mean what type of guys are you looking at uh, that could potentially slot in and, and be valuable contributors for this Bucks offense sure so the type of player that you want to add is someone who is comfortable operating the pick and roll and can do so a fair portion of the time you don't need to have like a league leading frequency of your plays that involve you handling the ball and pick and roll, but it needs to be more than what the Bucks were doing. And a big part of that is because by design, the Bucks offense has the ball in the hands of Giannis and Chris Middleton more often than not. And again, it, it, it got them to where they were. It got them to 60 wins and Eastern conference finals last year. It got them to 50 plus wins and you know, they were favored to make it out of the East before the postseason. Um, but because the wall works as effectively as it does against Giannis, and because Chris Middleton, as spectacular as he was this season, he's only one guy. He can't do it himself. And it comes down to levels of scoring. Generally, basketball, there, you, you talk about three-level scorers. That means that people that can score at the rim, in the mid-range, in the in-between zone, and outside the arc as a shooter. And Giannis is a one-level scorer. Chris Middleton is a two-level scorer, mid-range and three-point, to kind of complement Giannis. And for your forward positions, that's fine. But when the Bucks got faced with the wall, basically all they had was a sledgehammer, and it wasn't enough because their guards were not capable of picking up the slack from outside. Um, and so you want a player that is a lot like what Chris Paul did for the Thunder this year. Chris Paul himself, given his age and his salary, it's, you know, it's easy to understand why the rumors connected him to the Bucks in terms of uh, as a trade target. I don't think it's realistic to get Paul, but someone that has a similar role is exactly what the Bucks need. And so some of the names that I looked at that scored very highly in the, uh, in the metric that I put together were uh, Derek Rose, who I know has been discussed as an option in the past, I think even on this podcast, uh, I'm not necessarily in favor of it for a number of reasons, but at least as a, as an offensive player, he's a good fit for what they could use. Uh, favorite 
of Frank Madden and many other uh, Lockdown Bucks uh, friends of the pod. Uh, DJ Augustine from Orlando is another excellent option. Uh, Tyus Jones from the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, previously from the Minnesota Timberwolves, is also uh, a pretty attractive option. And um, if we even go back to what we were talking about before with Billy Donovan taking the Bulls job, Zach Levine is an interesting candidate given some of the uh, some of the offensive results that he has in these specific areas. Um, but last but not least, and the list is longer on the article at Bruhu, but I want to make sure I talk to you about it, Kane, because Patty Mills did make the cut of players I wanted to mention because of his skills on the offensive side of the ball and his ability to score. Again, the, the first thing I will say with these names, and we've been through this before, I mean, the, the reality is there's going to be some really non-sexy options that the Bucks have this uh, offseason, depending on how nuclear they want to go with potentially trading key pieces to the team. The Chris Middleton conversation is going to come on the podcast, so we're going to get to that. I know that there is still a section of Bucks fans that would probably move on from Chris. I think it's a conversation that has to happen. I don't believe that it's likely. And also, I probably just don't believe it should happen. But uh, for in a trade that isn't bringing you back a genuine superstar, let me uh, clarify that uh, point there. But we will talk about Chris and how that and his salary and what that does for this team moving forward. I know that was a big concern of Bucks fans when he signed the contract. Although it's fair to say that he certainly uh, probably lived up to that and probably exceeded uh, all our expectations for what he was going to do this season. But as far as the other guys go, Bledsoe, obviously, we spoke about a lot. I'm still sticking with Brooke Lopez as the guy. If you really, really wanted to do something different and take a bit of a risk, then Brooke Lopez is the guy on the salary he's on that would have value around the league that you could move and package up with a couple of other guys and bring back one of those uh, mid-range targets that we're looking at. I mean, it's just the reality. Obviously, it would open up some defensive things that you could do as well. But as far as those names that you've mentioned, Derek Rose, I'm just... I'm just not really willing to entertain him for a number of reasons, as you sort of pointed to, but there's no doubt his renaissance sort of, sort of with the Timberwolves, but certainly with the Pistons as a scorer and as a damaging option in the pick and roll. I mean, he is a guy, he'll get you a shot. I mean, he, he will, and he's a good passer. So, or he's got yeah. a, a decent assist percentage ratio as well. So, I mean, he's a fine player, but he is old. He's got injury history. So I don't think that I would be looking to, uh, to trade much for him anyway. Paddy Mills, again, is probably overpaid for what he's going to bring to a team. So uh, while I like to joke about it, um, he is a guy that can uh, shoot on the move, shoot off the dribble, uh, catch and shoot as well. So that's why he's an attractive option as a potential um, scorer. He's always been a guy that's had a limited limited role compared to what he probably could have uh, in other scenarios. So it's there's some interest there. I don't know. I mean, this is the difficult thing with the Bucks because then you always end up coming back to the primetime names, Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, that we've we've often spoke about. But there's there's just not a lot out there that the Bucks, with the situation they're in, that the guys are going to bring in, and you're going to say, "Well, I feel like the Bucks are definitely better." It's tough. It's it's really tough to to make a move like that. Yeah, it's it's not realistic to expect the Bucks to be able to jump through all the hoops that it's going to require to get somebody as highly paid as Chris Paul, or even like Drew Holiday's salary isn't crazy. I think he's only due about like 26, 27 million next season. Yeah. But that by itself, like who do you give, like, are you giving up Chris straight up? I don't think that's a great trade. Uh, if you're going to be bringing in a guard, what you ought to do is make sure that you can make room for that guard to play. And 
that means that George Hill or Eric Bledsoe is going to have to take a reduced role or be sent out in return for a deal. And what you mentioned about Brooke Lopez is a really key point about any conversation with the Bucks offseason in mind because there's so many more teams that make sense as a destination for him where you could justify from their perspective trading for Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez because of what he gives you as a rim protector, what he gives you as a floor spacer, what he gives you as a positional defender. Um, and, you know, as a, as a post scorer to boot when, when, when you need a bucket, like he, he wasn't relied upon super heavily in Milwaukee, but he still has some of that Brooklyn Brook in him. Um, and so that's really, but even still, like he's only due like somewhere around 13 million. Eric Bledsoe is due like 16 million. And so you have to, you, you have a really, really narrow window that you have to hit if you're going to try to make a deal for, for anybody that's going to be, you know, an upgrade at the guard position that's going to, you know, be capable of shouldering the load when the wall goes up in front of Giannis. And I know he said that he wants to be able to plow through the wall. And if anybody can do it, it's him. But we've seen two straight pro seasons where that hasn't worked. And I don't want to put him in a position where, especially if he declines to sign the Supermax extension this offseason, and he goes into the next playoffs as an expiring contract, essentially, and the third consecutive year, he meets a wall in the postseason, and the Bucks don't have a player that can break up the wall by shooting over it, besides Chris. Like, that, that gives me serious, serious concern about the Bucks' long-term viability as a franchise because that doesn't prove to me or to Giannis or to anybody that you're going to put him in a position to win a championship. And so it's, there, there's a number of hard choices that are facing John Horst and Mike Budenholzer this offseason. I don't envy them. Um, I just – I wish I knew what the answer was. Well, that's why on the inside they'll have to make the decision uh, about Giannis in regards to how confident they are that he's going to sign an extension. As I said, it does feel like uh, from the people I spoke to, they feel pretty confident that something is going to happen this summer. So we'll wait and see oh, this summer, this offseason. We'll, so we'll wait and see. But clearly if you have a commitment there from Giannis – and he's on board with what you, whatever it is you're trying to do, then you're going to feel a little more confident taking a risk because if he doesn't sign an extension and he's heading for free agency next year, taking a risk this offseason is you can understand why they would be hesitant to do so and trade one of these key pieces. And then ultimately, it does feel like that would lower your chances of winning the title next year. So they're walking the tightrope. It's going to be really difficult. The one point I will make uh, just before we wrap this up is when you look at the NBA champions from the last, really the last decade. Uh, last year, obviously, Kyle Lowry, um, you know, had a fantastic postseason, a really good point guard, scoring, defensive, does it all. But then you go before that, it was all Steph Curry, Jason Kidd, if you want to go back to the Mavericks, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili uh, with the Spurs, and then it's LeBron, who's a different beast of his own in terms of his ability to handle the ball. It shoots, uh, drive through literally everyone. He's just a completely uh, a different beast. So, Basically, what that tells you is, unless you have LeBron James, you better find a point guard that can, can that can create, that can get their own shot, that can uh, draw uh, the opposition attention. And uh, unfortunately, the Bucks haven't had that the last two years. And ultimately, that does feel like the area that they've fell short, regardless of how good their defense has been. And that will be the big question mark for me heading into next season. When the Bucks look at their roster and what they try and bring in, are they willing to take a little bit of a step back defensively 
to get better offensively. I think that's probably what they need to do because you can keep posting the most historic defenses uh, that have ever been as they have kind of the last two years. They've been the number one defense by a long, 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 long way. It hasn't really mattered when the postseason has rolled around. Yeah, it's the postseason when the best come to compete for that bid for the finals. And defenses not just are better, but they try harder too. And so the Bucks' advantage on the defensive side of the ball is, in my opinion, significantly mitigated by that fact. And because they have players that are defense first, like Eric Bledsoe, absolutely defense first. Dante DiVincenzo, same thing for him at this stage of his career. George Hill can absolutely hold his own on offense, but he's not uh, a standalone scorer. He's a guy who can hit threes, and he certainly hit threes well this season. And he's a crafty finisher, but he's not a scorer as a guard. And I think that because of the premium that the Bucks have placed on defense from the guard positions, like they're just they're left kind of up a creek without a paddle when it gets to the postseason. They don't have that creator on the perimeter and. Yeah, it's it's really it's kind of disheartening to to identify that as an issue and not have any sort of suggestions for a solution. But uh, I, I know if Frank was here, that he would just say DJ Augustine his name over and over and say that was it. That's the only solution that you need. And hey, if uh, if the Bucks let Connaughton walk or Kyle Korver retires, like there's going to be a roster spot open for him. So maybe that's all they need. Oh boy! Yes. Uh, either way, I feel like we're going to going to be getting some sort of random uh, backup guard on the roster this uh, this off season that we've probably spoke about a lot and always felt that he was going to end up on the team. I can see it happening. There's going to be some uh, interesting names that continue to be thrown around. But uh, as I said, uh, make sure you do check out that story from Mitchell. It's uh, it's fascinating. But play around with the the Google Doc, have a look, see some names that you like, throw some suggestions at us at Locked On Bucks. Uh, Frank's going to be back tomorrow, and we are going to talk about the front office. We had a bunch of questions about the the front office, the decisions that have been made, the GM, everything like that. So we're going to run through that tomorrow, which obviously will be fascinating, and I'm sure Frank has a lot of thoughts about that. But Mitchell, appreciate you taking the time, as always, to come hang out with me. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me the time to hang out. So like I said, one more time, go check out that story. Let us know what you think about that. Also, obviously, you can you can hit up the Brew Hoop uh, message boards over there and uh, let Mitchell know what you think about that and, and the suggestions and names that you would be targeting. And if you would be going all in for a trade this summer, the Bucks are clearly in a precarious situation, but we're going to continue the conversation here every day on Locked on Bucks. Remember, at Locked on Bucks on Twitter or LockedOnBucks at gmail.com if you want to uh, send through a suggestion or a thought to us for the podcast. But until tomorrow... Stay safe out there, and we'll speak to you guys then.